Hello, everybody. Happy New Year, and welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. On this episode of the show, I'm super excited to welcome Mr. Marco Canora. Marco's a chef, a restaurateur, and a cookbook author. You may have seen him on many top cooking TV shows, and his latest creation is the restaurant Hearth in New York City, as well as Brodo, which makes super delicious bone broths and sells them right to customers in coffee cups through a sidewalk facing window. In this episode, we're going to discuss the ins and outs of chefing, the role that bone broth played in helping fix Marco's health, the benefits of bone broth and the differences between collagen and gelatin, both of which are found in bone broth, a down and dirty recipe that you can use to make your own broth at home, whether or not vegetarian takes on bone broth are as healthy as the real thing. Plus, we're going to give you a super easy burger recipe if you listen all the way through that's going to help you integrate more organ meats into your diet, which is, uh, I think, a very important way of procuring health and making use of all of the uniquely beneficial parts of the animal. It's also ethically the right way to be an omnivore as well, I think. I was really excited to have this conversation with Marco because it's not too long ago that I was walking around um, with my mother in NYU Hospital here in New York City where I saw a pamphlet advertising bone broth and it was uh, sort of the result of a joint partnership, I guess, between Marco's Brodo, um, which again produces bone broth, and the hospital. And even though I'm versed in the health benefits of bone broth, I thought it was very cool and progressive of a hospital to be advertising bone broth because of the sort of institutionalized fear around um, meat and things like that that, you know, we've talked about in other episodes of the show. But I was very curious to um, to see how that partnership came to be. And wouldn't you know, we forgot to talk about it over the course of the next episode. But nonetheless, I think by the end, you're really going to get a sense of why the wellness world seems to be so enamored with bone broth. Now, before we get to the show, um, in which you're going to learn a lot about the benefits of collagen, if you don't have the time to prepare your own bone broth or you don't live in an area where purchasing bone broth is practical, one of my favorite supplements to take is collagen protein powder. And one of my favorite sources for collagen protein is by a company called Perfect Keto. The reason for this is that they combine collagen powder with cocoa powder and powdered MCT oil. So you get a triple threat of the flavanols that are found in chocolate or cocoa. You get the collagen, which is rich in the amino acids, proline, glycine, and hydroxyproline. And then you also get MCT oil powder, which is a lot more tolerable to the gut than MCT oil. This provides a sort of clean burning fuel source to the brain and you get it all in one product so if you want to check this out it's uh the keto collagen powder over at perfectketo.com and if you use promo code max 10 you'll get to save ten dollars off i'm actually looking now and i didn't even know this they now have a vanilla version um, and a salted caramel version i'm sure they're stuff is delicious. They don't add any sugar. It's all stevia sweetened. So I'm actually, after I record this intro, I'm about to go and order uh, a bottle of the vanilla and salted caramel for myself. Collagen's great. It promotes hair, skin, and nail health, um, supports metabolism, can uh, reduce inflammation, help the body detoxify, and um, really there's uh, no shortage to the laundry list of benefits from consuming more collagen. So um, even though it doesn't count towards your essential amino acids, I think it's something that we should all definitely get more of. All right, guys, now we're just seconds away from my interview with Mr. Marco Canora. If you want to support this podcast, well, that would mean the world to me. And there are two very simple ways that you can do that. For one, you can go to iTunes or wherever you are listening to this show. And by leaving a rating and review, that's going to help draw new 
ears to the show, which is only going to help me grow it and get better and better guests. The second way that you can support this podcast is by going to my website at maxlugavere.com and by joining my newsletter. For 2019, you owe it to yourself to make a resolution for better health. And by joining my newsletter, you're going to have access to science that I think you ought to know about with fully um, detailed breakdowns um, to make the research accessible to you. I often send out products that I'm really digging, book recommendations, and the like. You can opt out anytime, but I really put extra effort into every single email that I send to make sure that it's going to add value to your life in at least one major way. So again, you can do that at maxlugavere.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. All right, guys, without further ado, here is my chat with Mr. Marco Canora. And if you enjoy this episode in particular, please take a screen grab, share it on social media, help me spread the word about what we're doing here at The Genius Life. That would be mega appreciated. All right, on with the show. Thank you for giving me this delicious bone broth. Cheers. This is how I start my day every day. Cheers. Let's toast. Yes. To the next hour of, of epic podcasting. Mm-hmm. What's in here? This is really, this is quite... So I quite do like a, an Arnold Palmer type thing. I mix uh, chicken broth and hearth broth, which is made with turkey, beef, and chicken, uh, 50-50. And then I put some um, fresh turmeric juice, fresh ginger juice, a uh, hefty squeeze of lemon, a little bit of garlic, and some grass-fed ghee. And I buzz it all up and it gets all creamy and frothy. So, so tasty. It's, um, I think it's a perfect breakfast because it's just, it's all fat and protein. Yeah. No carbs. No is this blood, your first no meal of the day? Always. Hmm. No blood sugar spikes. Um, it really works for me. So I try to, you know, whatever, I'll try to fast for minimum 12 hours. And then the first thing I'll put in my body is uh, fat and protein. How did you first discover bone broth and, and the, the healing powers of it? Well, as a chef uh, for 20 years, broth is kind of a fundamental in the kitchen, the way salt and pepper and water is. I mean, it's that, it's that essential. So, you know, working with stock and broth has been a part of my life for definitely my, my adult life, but I also grew up in a kind of an Italian household, and we always made big pots of broth for special occasions, and if anybody got sick, uh, we'd always make a big pot of broth, um, and it's just an amazing restorative. Yeah, we, uh, we Hebes tend to refer to broth as uh, nature's penicillin. Yeah. Or Jewish penicillin. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, I, you know, I love that about broth. It's like it's got, it's got very, very deep roots on every corner of the globe. And to me, like, that's where I look to kind of justify my eating habits. I look at history uh, rather than science. Mm. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like if it's, if it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years and in cultures all over the globe, that is probably a good bet that you should be eating it. It's played a role in your own personal health it has um i don't know when let's see probably seven eight years ago uh maybe a little longer now god time flies um so you know i've been a, a line cook in new york city and then that turned into being a chef and a restaurant owner um and for 20 years i kind of uh you know worked 80 hours a week um high stress job high stress living in the heart of Manhattan. Um, didn't really eat that well. The notion of listening to your body was not something that kind of resonated with me during those years, yeah. like through my 20s and 30s. Uh, it was basically adrenaline-fueled, um, lots, uh, lots of smoking cigarettes, smoking other things, um, alcohol, drugs, you know, not sleeping very well, and then you hit 40, and then your body, like 
gives you the double middle finger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I when I hit that time, I was kind of in really bad shape, like super overweight. I wasn't managing people well. I was like my, my fuse was really, really short. Um, and it was affecting my ability to run my business and it was affecting, you know, my ability to be present at my home for my daughter um, and my family. And it was like a real problem. And so I really like took a second and looked at my nutrition and, you know, I met with a nutritionist and he did a very extensive uh, blood panel. And, you know, it was it was not a it was not a pretty picture. Um, you know, your you know, uric acid levels were off the charts, um, pre-diabetic um, super bad lipid numbers. Uh, you know, I wasn't exercising. I was drinking a ton of coffee. Um, it was just, I was like basically bread, bread and coffee and cigarettes was my diet for like 15 years. Wow. (laughs) Um, so that, that does some damage. Uh, so I really started diving into learning about nutrition and learning about health and, you know, it was in the early stages, right? This is like a, a, about a decade ago. So, it, you know, today it's like everywhere. It's so prevalent. My God, there's a million podcasts about health and wellness. But, you know, the podcast didn't even exist 10 years ago, really. Right. right. Um, so, you know, one of the first books was uh, Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Body. Right. Uh, was one of the first things I read. Um, and then uh, Younger's Clean. He was early. He was one of the guys who got out there early. Um, so I, I really started to devour this stuff and, and learn more. And I kept on stumbling across um, people talking about bone broth. And, you know, paleo wasn't so huge back then as it is today. Um, but everything I was reading online or in literature, it was like I kept on seeing references to bone broth, bone broth, bone broth. And like as a chef in my kitchen, I've had broth all the time. So I literally, rather than drinking, you know, four quarts of coffee a day, I would drink my quart of coffee in the morning and then I transitioned to broth um, as part of like a bigger uh, picture of what I was doing. You know, it's not like broth is a magic bullet. Like I don't I don't believe in magic bullets, Um, but it was a big part of like my progression back to health. Um, And it was, you know, it was energizing without being like that caffeine jittery. Um, And and you know, the more I learned about it, the more it made sense, and and it really it really helped me get back my health. What is it about being a chef that um, seems to promote such unhealthy dietary and lifestyle habits? I know it's kind of funny, right? Because yeah. I'm surrounded by amazing. Well, now it's like I'm really lucky because I'm surrounded by amazing food. But I was surrounded by amazing food back at Gramercy Tavern and at Kraft. And when I opened this restaurant in 2003, I always had like local, beautiful food. But it was like guess what? I never ate it. Hmm. (laughs) I always ate family meal, which is not usually of the highest quality. And, um, what's family meal? Family meal is like every day at like four 30, we, we feed the entire staff dinner. Um, and it's usually like big pork shoulders, uh, you know, not from like the best pig in the world, you know? (laughs) Um, and very, and a lot of potato and a lot of pasta. Um, and, you know, as a chef running a busy restaurant, you're running around like a madman and you don't, you don't really think about it and you just need to be fueled. And it's, uh, it's kind of an aggressive environment and, you know, it's, it's, it's very conducive to drinking booze and staying up late. Um, Hmm. and you know, I guess I'll call it in my old age, like that whole thing shifted 
and now it's like we're gonna have a we're gonna have a big salad after this because I <laughs> nice. heard how much you love your salads. I'm a huge fatty daily salad. Yeah, yeah I've got some really good olive oil from my friend in Tuscany, oh, and nice. I got some uh, colorful greens and veggies that we're gonna chow on after this podcast. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Listeners of my podcast are now <laughs> big fans of extra virgin olive oil. Um, we had Nicholas Coleman on the show. I don't know if you know him. He's a, he's one of the world's few oleologists. Oh, how cool. Specializing in, in extra virgin olive oil. But I think this oh, is amazing. something that, yeah, it's a, it, there's a, a food literacy that I feel like, and I, I've heard you talk about this before on some of the podcasts that, that you've been on, that it's something that's been lost the same way that health literacy, financial literacy, food literacy is just another area 100%. of life that we've just kind of all collectively lost touch with. I agree, and it's quite sad. You know, I, I, you know, I'd love to see home ec come back into the world. I've been, I've been trying to pitch, um, I've been trying to pitch a show that's about health and growing food and cooking, kind of like an electric company for diet and nutrition, because so many children today don't really know much about, you know, they couldn't identify a parsnip or a celery root or a you know, or understand that carrots grow in the dirt and the role of dirt. And there's so much to learn in that space uh, and cooking as well. And I mean, I, I'm a huge believer that, you know, if we all cooked a little bit more, that we'd see great improvements in our, in our health from a national level. I think part of the problem is we outsourced our cooking and we outsourced, you know, we're in this capitalistic society and we outsourced it to people who are trying to maximize profits and you know cooking <laughs> and food should not be next to you know capitalizing and maximizing profits because they don't really go well together yeah. right um, and i really think we need to be cooking more and we need to understand food better uh, and nutrient density and understand what that even means um, and, you know, I hear you speak a lot about the notion of, like, having fat next to your phytonutrients because guess what? Without it, you can't absorb it. And, you know, it's a basic tenets like that that, you know, a little bit can go a long way. Couldn't agree more. And you're, like, a highly celebrated chef. So I love that you're, you know, endorsing that people spend more time in their kitchens and get to know quality ingredients and, and the alchemy that is, that yeah. is good cooking. I'm really trying to, you know, I'm trying to leverage those two things right like cooking and being a chef is like being a, a pharmacist for food in a lot of ways you know like understanding the cooking process and understanding how to make traditional plant foods and traditional meat um, become tasty and appealing and smell good like you know adherence is one of the biggest problems when you talk about diet and um you know, I love that as a chef, I'm able to take these nutrient-rich foods and nutrient-rich meats and turn them into, like, incredibly savory, um, you know, foodstuffs that people crave. Um, and, you know, I, I, a lot of people think that, you know, it's only junk food that tastes good. You know, the Doritos and the, and the you know, big food has, like, manipulated the fat, sugar, and salt to, like makes your brain like light up, you know, like cocaine does. Um, but I'd like to think like a great chef can elicit that response uh, from really healthful foods. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I try to do at Hearth every day. And that's what we're trying to do at Brodo. 
and it, it's really it drives it really drives the conversation for us. So let's talk about some of the some of the principles that people can use in their homes to upgrade their cooking. Mm -hmm. You know, both in terms of health and flavor. Sure. Well, one is I think we need to find time to shop more often, right? Because fresh food is more nutrient dense. And I'd rather have something that has come out of the ground more recently than something that maybe was grown in a monoculture that's labeled organic on the West Coast and it's been out of the ground for three weeks because it's been in this big commercialized process. Um, and so shopping more often, I think, is kind of critical. I think, uh, you know, looking at your week and, and, and doing a little work in advance of your week to make it so it's easier to put food on the table throughout your busy, hectic week. I mean, we all want convenience um, and we give up way too much for convenience uh, from a health perspective. So I think, you know, you need to plan a little bit. And, um, you know, I like to tell people like, you need to figure out a way to learn how to enjoy the process of cooking because it's one of these essential things. It's like, look, like you may, you may not enjoy you know, the daily habits of like flossing and brushing and like showering and it might be a nuisance to you, but guess what? You figured out a way to make that part of your life because you valued it enough, right? Because like you want to be clean. Well, guess what? You need to do the same thing for cooking. <laughs> I think it's that essential. Like cooking and managing your kitchen at home should be as essential as, you know, maintaining your teeth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... You know, figuring out a way to uh, figuring out a way to enjoy that process, where you know it's one of the few processes where we get to use all of our senses, and um, and I think once you can be a little bit forgiving in the kitchen, and kind of do a little bit of shopping and understand what foods are growing around you, and then putting in a little bit of time and effort to figure out how to do it, it'll pay enormous dividends. People have limited budgets when it comes to their you know. They're shopping, they're food shopping. For sure. And, you know, there's sort of this continuum where it's like we can spend more money on quality ingredients or a quantity of ingredients. Where do you kind of fall on that, on that spectrum? Um, it's tricky. And one of the problems is this notion of spending money on food. Um, you know, as a country, we spend the least amount of money on, you know, a percentage of our check that goes to food is very, very low compared to others. And, you know, our food system produces a lot of really cheap food. So, you know, if you're looking at, you know, monies per calorie, you know, you could buy a bucket of fried chicken for very little money and it's problematic. And we subsidize it, as you know, you know, with, I think um, I heard you say the other day that 60% uh, of our calories come from three crops yeah corn three, three plants wheat corn and rice yeah i mean that that's just absurd <laughs> yeah. and and by the way those three crops are subsidized so they're really cheap um so we're we're, we're kind of fighting a, a fixed fight a bit um but i i'm a I, i'm a big believer that you know especially now with e-commerce you know there, there's ways to get fresh food even in food deserts I think we have to rethink the amount of money that we spend on food and we need to prioritize quality food over other things that we may be prioritizing. Um, and at the end of the day, I also believe that if you're willing to do the labor, that there's a, there's a savings to be had um, 
by cooking yourself. So, you know, buying a whole chicken and learning how to break that chicken down and making a meal out of the legs and making a meal out of the thighs and making a meal out of one breast and then another breast and then making a meal out of the bones. Like, guess what? You just had five dinners out of one whole chicken because you taught yourself how to butcher that thing and how to make it taste good, right? So, um, you it's know, amazing, I, amazingly cost effective. It's very cost effective. And, you know, and also you're putting in the time and the labor, which is what you're paying for when you go out and buy food as well. So learning how to cook, I think, is, is a great approach to like maximizing the economies of it. You know, we were before we started rolling. We were talking about Marion Nestle, and j- as I was yeah. as I was heading over here in in my taxi, I was actually listening to a podcast with her, and she she made a really mind blowing point that you know, if you walk into a McDonald's with five dollars, you can either buy five hamburgers <laughs> or one salad. What do you think most people are going to buy? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a just, fix. It's a rigged game. It is. It's a rigged game. Um. And, you know, again, we're obsessed with convenience in a way that's really harming our health. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, you know, going back to bone broth, which is something that um, I know many people are interested in now, um, I want to talk a little bit about the, the benefits, you know, and we, sure. we don't have to get too deep into the, into, the, into the science or anything like that. But I also want to, because I've never made bone broth, and I'm sure many people that are listening oh, really? have never had that experience either. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening when we boil bones mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, the health benefits that are imparted on us. Sure. And maybe, you know, like one of your, one of your favorite recipes. Okay, I would love to. Um, you know, uh, the signature broth at Brodo is hearth broth. I used to call it Easter broth, and then I called it hearth, hearth broth, but it's the broth I grew up with, and it's Italian broth, so it's more, it's built a little bit more on meat than it is of bone, and there's so many discussions about what is bone broth and what, you know, and there, I don't think there's any real one definition. I think there's some things uh, in common with many people's definitions of bone broth. One is that bone broths tend to be cooked for a much longer time. Hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we cook ours for 18 hours. Uh, and, you know, the other thing that we're really proud of is the, you know, we use fresh organic vegetables and a lot of them. A lot of commercially made broths aren't using fresh vegetables or a minimal amount of fresh vegetables, or they're using IQF vegetables, um, qu- quick frozen vegetables mm. or, or vegetable powders. And, you know, in the world, I've learned so much in the world of uh, commercialized (laughs) things in the last three years because we've been trying to grow Brodo and get, like, a quality broth to market. Um, And, you know, it's fascinating because if you read an ingredient panel, it it just says carrot. And it doesn't say powdered carrot or dehydrated carrot or frozen carrot. It just says carrot, and that's all you need to say. (laughs) And, you know, we we use fresh carrots. And, like... (laughs) That's a big deal. But, you know, there's, they don't distinguish that in that world of commercialized packaged food. Um, so we're learning as we go, a lot of educating to do. But um, so back to the point of like how you make it. It's like we make it the way my great grandmother made it. Uh, and you basically fill up a pot with high quality bones that hopefully have some meat on them. And even some meat, we use uh, organic turkey drumsticks and organic chicken drumsticks in our hearth broth because that meat really adds a lot of uh, glutamate, which adds a lot of savoriness to it, and it makes it delicious. Um, And so you fill the pot with 
quality meat and bone, and then uh, carrot, celery, onion, peppercorn, bay leaf. We cover it with filtered water. We bring it to a boil. Um, we skim the impurities that come off, which is off also not very common in the commercialized broth-making space hmm. because that's hard. Usually they put a, a lid on it, and then it pressure. You know, you cook it faster with a lid with pressure. Um, we don't do that. I believe in I believe in open top. So our kettles are open on the top. There's concentration that happens over the 16 hours of cooking. Um, we skim off all the impurities. Um, and at the end of it, you know, it's just this transformative liquid that has broken down all the connective tissue where all the collagen is, which I believe is where all the benefit of bone broth is. Um, and, you know, most importantly, again, like from a chef perspective and from an adherence perspective of like what it means to eat well, it's like this broth is delicious. And if you add it to all the things that you're making with whole real foods, it just makes it that much more delicious. And, and again, like I believe our health and our wellness has to start from a place of like enjoyment. Yeah. Um, and enjoyment happens from delicious. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm really obsessed with like this notion of like creating delicious food that is very nutrient dense. And oftentimes we are after function and we go after nutrition and function and we're so function obsessed and we kind of almost close our nose when we eat the thing that's supposed to be good for you. And I think that that's a big mistake. Although bone broth is a very functional food. I mean, it, it, it gets totally is. by, you know, it's got these uh, curative powers when it comes to the gut, yeah. you know, and many people, you know, have argued that the gut really is sort of the center of the it organ all. that inter interconnects all others. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I totally buy that. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, what is the function of bone broth? You know, to me, there's been a lot of debate and a lot written and, and talked about around it. Um, one, the one thing that I, I, I like to say is like, I don't believe it's about the mineral content in here because at the end of the day, there's not a ton of minerals in this. And there's a lot of other places to get minerals, whether it's like eating the bones from canned sardines or mushrooms or leafy greens or, you know, full fat quality dairy. All of these foods are are infinitely better in terms of minerals. So, you know, we don't put apple cider vinegar in our bone broth because I don't, I don't particularly buy the notion that uh, it breaks down the bone so you could extract the minerals better. The amount of vinegar you would have to wash those bones with would change the taste so dramatically that it would be, uh, it would change the, the deliciousness of my broth. So that's super interesting. So I guess typical bone broth recipes that you'll find online. Apple cider vinegar. People are obsessed, and I think it's, I think it's really, I, I, I don't buy it. And neither does Sally Fallon of Weston Price, by the way, in her book Nourishing Broth. Um, you know, her first book Nourishing Traditions is like the original Bible for health and wellness. But she she subsequently wrote a book called Nourishing Broth. And she says it too, and, and I've heard it in a lot of places. At the end of the day, this, you know, consuming a quality bone broth is not about minerals. It's about the amino acid structure of the collagen protein that is in the broth. And that, in my mind, is where all the benefit is. And it's in the glycine, it's in the glutamine, it's in the proline and the arginine, and the, the, the particular amino acid structure of that protein um, 
is incredibly good for all kinds of things. Most importantly, your gut, because I, I mean, I am a big believer that everything starts with the gut. And once you heal your gut, then you're able to digest food better and absorb nutrients better. And that's what drives health. What's the difference between gelatin and collagen? Uh, gelatin is just, there's not really a difference. Huh. Gelatin is, is the, um, the jelly-like substance that uh, shows itself in the broth from the collagen. So it's kind of the same thing. It's just a different stage, right? Yeah. So the collagen is the connective tissue on the bones that you're cooking. It manifests as gelatin in your broth. Wow. And that's when you cool off the bone broth, Correct. put it in the fridge, it becomes that gelat. It's yes. like jello, Gel basically. Yeah, totally. what gelatin is. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. It's really cool. Wow. It's also great for wound healing, which makes a lot of sense because it's like glue. I mean, collagen, I love when people say it's the glue that holds the body together because like... That is what it is. And like our skin is 75% collagen. Our, all the protein in our body is like 25% of it is collagen protein. Um, and you know, the, the, the lining of our gut and the lining of our arteries and our eyeballs and, and our joints, it's like it's all made with collagen. And um, you know, we're not getting enough of it as a, as a society today. It's not a big enough part of our diet. I agree. I think, you know, when I'm drinking a, a high quality bone broth i can always i can always kind of gauge the quality when my lips feel sticky absolutely is that because of the, the yeah collagen? that's the gelatin yeah. the gelatin yeah no doubt wow so i get asked a lot whenever i talk about bone broth if there are vegetarian options or vegan options right. i know you guys right. make a vegetable based stock but yeah how does that differ from the broth that you make with well bones? it differs dramatically i mean listen if you don't, if you want to take the functional conversation outside of broth, there's so many uses for broth, and it's essential in a kitchen. And I believe that that there's a lot of value just in the fact that broth helps you make delicious food, and that applies to vegetable broth too. So I, I love and 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 support vegetable broth making, and there's so many different things you could do with vegetables and vegetable broths. And I really hope that one day we kind of widen our product line with Brodo and start having a lot, you know, a lot of vegetable broth options. Today we have one. It's made with seaweed and shiitake and a ton of organic vegetables. Um, seaweed and shiitake, because they're very high in, in glutamate, which is very savory. So the, the taste of this broth, uh, it could really stand up to the meat broths in terms of flavor and depth of flavor. But if you want to talk about functional uses, like there's no collagen. There's none of those amino acids that we just talked about, how great they are. There's no glycine in vegetable broth uh, or glutamine or arginine or proline. Um, so, you know, from a functional standpoint, I guess it's not quite as impressive. But again, like, I think the bigger picture is broth, all kinds of broth helps you become a better cook in the kitchen and cooking delicious foods is a great step towards health. Couldn't agree more. What are some of the, the add-ins that you like to throw into your broths? Um, you know, the fresh turmeric, fresh ginger, fresh garlic. I think these are very powerful foods. Herbs, you know, pulverized, freshly pulverized herbs. I love mortar and pestle is like my latest obsession in terms of cook tools. Mm. You know, it's like it, it, it really it reeks of like old pharmaceuticals, you know, like pounding on herbs and pounding on fresh spices and having them just blossom um, from a flavor perspective and from a nutrient perspective. Um, so, you know, 
yesterday at home, I had some fresh ginger and turmeric and garlic, and I had fresh sage leaves that I picked outside uh, and some peppercorns, and I pulverized it into a paste, and I put it into a blender with some hearth broth and a big pat of grass-fed butter and buzzed that together, and it was just, it was magic. Sounds so good. Where do you source your ingredients from? We source, you know, as a chef in New York for 20 years, I've been sourcing and procuring ingredients for quite a while. So, I, you know, we're at the green market here in Eden Square four days a week. Um, so the closer it grows is, is, is kind of more appealing to me because that's where the nutrient density is, I think, in, in fresh foods. Um, and I'm also, by the way, a big fan of frozen. I think that frozen food is a big opportunity for us as a country uh, to, lim- to minimize waste and even in your home. Like, uh, we, we have a chest freezer and we freeze so many things. Um, it really seals in the nutrition. It minimizes the, the, the waste, right? The things that don't go bad, obviously, in the freezer. Um, and broth is like bulletproof for the freezer. I mean, I freeze you know, hearth broth and it could stay in that freezer for over a year and it's just as delicious. Wow. Yeah. I'm super excited. I mean, I, I've never made uh, bone broth. I don't even actually know where to get bones from. I mean, where can, so, can you just go to a supermarket and ask for, you mean, know, it, it's hard, which is why we feel it's a big opportunity to get good quality broth into the marketplace frozen because for people who want to make it, it can prove to be difficult, especially when you're, you know, we're, we live this very privileged life yeah. in Manhattan and we have access to every single thing we need. So we can go to, you know, Dixon's and the Chelsea market or our Whole Foods and talk to the butcher and probably get our hands on stuff. But I don't think that that's the norm out there. And especially, you know, unfortunately, the, the vast majority of our meat production in this country is not quality meat. Um, it's like, you know confined meat or commodities meat and i don't necessarily want to make a broth out of crappy bones um so it can be challenging but you know get to know your butcher as they say yeah i mean i guess finding chicken chicken bones is fairly easy you buy rotisserie chicken as you mentioned organic yeah and organic you know there's there's plenty of organic chicken in this country and um i like to buy chicken wings organic chicken wings you could usually find in the supermarket and wings make a great broth Hmm. because you know that little and you want that little third end of the wing you know how there's like you know when you go eat wings there's like the drumstick part and then there's the flat part yeah well there's a third part that comes off of the flat part which is uh it's all cartilage so to use whole wings in a broth is a great idea because if you cook it uh, all that collagen breaks down, and you end up with a very gelatin-rich uh, chicken broth. Genius! Is there yeah. is there a different nutrient profile in chicken broth versus beef broth? So the the collagen types, right? Collagen one, two, and three. And I always get these mixed up, but uh, I think chicken chicken is heavier on two, and beef is heavier on one and three. I think. Wow. Or vice versa. I don't remember which one. But it's interesting that there would be different. Yeah, forms there of there is. Um, which is why I love the hearth broth. It's all, you know, it's, it's turkey, beef, and chicken mixed. Wow. Uh, and it makes for, like, a really nutrient-rich broth and a really tasty broth. When it comes to beef, are we looking for grass-fed, uh, organic? I mean, what, what's... Well, yeah, grain, grain-fed beef, uh, I, you know, I, I, I would steer people towards grass. 
Um, cows were not meant to eat corn. I mean, corn is a grass, but if you eat it as a grass or as a kernel, it's a big difference. Um, so grass-fed beef entirely. And then one of the pitfalls that I see a lot of people who make beef broth at home, what they do is they use the femur bone, which is the marrow bone. And they think that that's the right bone for broth because there's like nutrient dense marrow in that bone. But it actually is a horrible bone for broth um, because the femur bone is like your thigh bone, right? <laughs> and it's a, it's a very flat bone. So when it gets processed in the processing plants, it's very easy to strip all of the meat off of a femur bone. And if you make a broth with clean white bone, it's not gonna taste very good. Mm. <laughs> because a lot of the flavor and a lot of the glutamates and the things that add flavor to your broth comes from meat. So the idea of like making stock or broth or bone broth, what, call it whatever you want, but the idea of making it with bones that are just bone with no meat on it is, is from a culinary perspective, especially not a good idea. That's very interesting because I've been privy maybe to kind of like a taste of the politics of bone broth just because of my own, you know, sort of ambient exposure to the food industry. Sure. Um, and, you know, some bone broth companies will say that they're pure bone broth and they'll claim that others are, you know, bone broth mixed with beef stock. I can tell you that 90% of the broth that you buy in a supermarket is made with base. And there's like two or three companies in this country that make base. And I'm not exactly sure how they make it because it's kind of secretive and protective, but it's basically a version of bouillon. So it's like, it's, it's a paste and you mix the paste with water and you, uh, and then you have broth and then you could add things to your paste and you could make broth in a lot less time. Um, and it's like, it's, it's much more profitable to make broth that way because you literally can cook it for an hour, not 18 hours, and that's a huge cost. Um, and you don't have to move bones around and you don't have to strain the heavy bones when they're done. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are using base and um, we don't believe in base at Brodo. That makes sense. We boil bones. It's like, and, and the yield is very low. It's like you fill the pot, you know, if you think about filling a glass with crushed ice and then covering it with water, um, you know, there's not a lot of water in that, in that cup. Yeah. And that's what we're doing, except we fill our pot with bones hmm. and vegetables, and then we cover it with water and then cook it and then drain it. So the yields are very low. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's delicious and it's very nutrient dense. It's so good. And for people that don't live in New York City or haven't been to Brodo, I mean, it's, I think it's so cool that you guys serve it in cups, like coffee cups. Yeah. And you do it like on the, you know, on the sidewalk out of a window. Yeah. We have a couple windows and a couple shops today. It's so, do, do you find that um, people are, are more inclined to sip it because it's hot in the winter? Yep. It's definitely, you know, there's a seasonality to it because it's a hot beverage. Um, but I like to... You know, we do smoothies in the summer wow. that are broth-based. Um, and one of the things I hear you say a lot is this notion of, like, guess what you need to absorb nutrients that come from colorful plant foods? Does it begin with F? <laughs> right. And rhyme with hat? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I was really excited to kind of create these brothies. Um, and we basically do a bunch of uh, fruits and vegetables uh, with fat and the protein comes from broth. 
and we buzz them and they're really low in sugar. They're like under 13 grams of sugar, which in the brothy world is pretty low. So, or in the smoothie world, rather, is pretty low. Smoothies are sometimes north of 40 grams of sugar. Oh my God, they are jacked up. And they're jacked up sugar and there's no fat. So any of the nutrients, you're not really absorbing them anyway. So we made these like vegetable forward, low sugar, high fat, protein from broth smoothies um, that we serve in the summer and they're, they're really delicious and, f- and filling. Yeah, so tasty. Oh my God. Is there anything that we haven't touched on people are going to get value from? I guess, you know, I, I keep on falling back to cooking. I really, you know, everybody is so obsessed with finding like the newest, coolest, what's the top thing you can do for your health and like what's the one thing and everybody wants the top three or the top one or the whatever. <laughs> uh, it's insane. And, and you know, I think we can all agree that there isn't one thing and you have to look at everything and you have to look at your sleep and you'll have to look at your diet and you have to look at your movement and your stress. Um, you know, one of the things I, I feel is too often overlooked, which, um, uh, who's the guy who did who, the national geographic guy, Dan Butner. Yeah. Dan Butner with the, you know, the, the blue zones, yeah. the blue zone guy. You know, the thing that I really believe that uh, health and wellness folks don't talk about enough is this notion of community. And I think that having a community and having a support group of people in your life and having social engagement that's not on your phone, like real eye-to-eye social engagement, I think there's immense value to that. Um, And, you know, I don't have science to point to, but I'd like to believe that, like, having quality relationships in your life helps you be a better human on every level. Um, Mm. And even from a health level, from like digestion or movement or, you know, so I'm a big believer. And that's why, again, like I love cooking because you know what happens if you get into a kitchen and cook and have people over, like you become, it's like a social hub. Oh my God. You know, we, and I named this restaurant hearth because it's like, you know, hearth is the center of the home. And you know what happens in the center of the home? You cook and you socialize and you build community. And, you know, it's where it's, it, there's like so much love and connection around that fire and around that table and around that cooking that it's just like it permeates every aspect of your life. So I always like fall back on cooking. And we don't really need research to validate how good that is for us. Yeah, exactly. We've been, you know, we've been gathering around fires and cooking food, um, you know, for I don't know how long, but God, a long time. And it is the center of, of who we are as humans. And I think we forgot that. So, you know, having a good broth, like we'll save you the 18 hours and you could like whip yourself up something rather quickly if you have some good ingredients. Um, so... Anyway, I just want to encourage people to get back in their kitchens. Yeah, definitely. Do you guys use a lot of organ meats in your cooking here? We do. Um, you know, this um, infographic that's on the back of our menu at Hearth, this, this is my favorite little, I don't well, know, you, want, you want to read that? When the, yeah. <laughs> when the cheetah takes down the gazelle, the first and only thing it eats are the guts. It realizes where the biggest bang for the buck lies in terms of nutrients. We should learn from nature. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I think that says it all. Again, yeah. it's like, you know, 
I don't know, look at look at nature, you know, and like the king of the jungle, look what he eats. Yeah. He, he gets first dibs on whatever he wants, right? Because he is the king of the jungle and he, he eats the guts. Well, it's interesting because, you know, muscle tissue, which is primarily what people like to eat, you know, it's the chicken breast, it's the yep. steak, yep. chop. Yep. Um, we you got know, it wrong. It's, it, it, they, they are nutrient dense. They've got a lot of protein in them, but organ meats have just as much protein and a whole smattering of other, you know, of other nutrients. Yeah. B- B12s. B12. Beef liver. Beef liver. Right. All that stuff. Yeah. It's good. So tasty. And it's cheap. People so are, back to your, you know. Super cheap. Yeah. But people tend to be afraid of organ meat because it's I got a, a stronger flavor, I sure. guess. We do, a, we do a, what we call a variety burger here. And I basically grind uh, heart and liver and bone marrow into chuck, which is the shoulder. Um, and we do a, a hamburger with wow. variety meats in it. Wow. With a big melt of good um, raw cheese and some caramelized onions on it. And it's delicious. So that's a brilliant and actionable uh, takeaway tip that listeners can use. If you want to make a burger at home, you can buy some grass-fed ground beef and then try to integrate Correct. small amounts of organ meats into yeah. that. Yeah, Ch- grind them up with your uh, Cuisinart or put them, if you have a grinder at your KitchenAid or whatever, and mix it into your meats. Interesting. Most yeah. people don't have grinders in their kitchen. Is that yeah, but you could just chop it by hand or put it into a Cuisinart. A lot of people have Cuisinarts. I'm totally going to You could even it. blend it. And can you mix animals or is that weird? No, totally. Really? Yeah. And even with broth too, people are like, what What animal, you know, what broth? And it's like, in my in the Brodo book, I have like the end of the month broth. Like at home, we save every bit of bone that comes from any animal we eat in a whole month, and I have freezer bags, and they accumulate like it could be like little pork chop bones, and it could be, um, you know, carcasses from chicken or thighs or whatever, and like just save all of it, a steak, you know, or like a bone from a T-bone, like save every single bone that comes out of your chicken in a month. And then throw it into a pot and make broth with it. It's delicious. What are three things that every listener should have in their kitchens? Uh, wow. A sharp knife. <laughs> um, one of the most important tools for a chef. Absolutely. And too often they're not sharp. And you need a sharp knife. You need a cutting board that's bigger than like your hand. Because I can't tell you how many people at home are like trying to cook on a cutting board that's like smaller than a sheet of paper. And it drives me nuts. Like You need yourself a nice cutting board and a good knife, um, and quality fat, like a good olive oil, like, you know, salt, pepper, fat, and broth. With those, you could do, like, you can make so much delicious food. Wow. Yeah. I love that. You can do definitely do some damage yeah. with those ingredients. All right, well, we are um, about out of time, but where can uh, listeners find you on the internet learn yep. more about hearth um yeah what's uh, so what are, what are, what are your you know i'm on social at marco canora on instagram and twitter um and then the businesses have have accounts so uh hearth restaurant um on instagram uh restauranthearth.com is online you can see our infographic there and see, and see our menus and see what we're about um and then brodo.com you can order broth. Uh, we ship for free to 48 states, I think. Oh, wow. Maybe it's 38 for free, and then whatever. It's something like that. But oh. we, we're shipping broth all over the country. That's amazing. Um, and it's, it's kind of great. We're really proud of 
of the little the little box that we set up and it's like it's got this insulation that is made from corn and it you run it under water and it disintegrates and goes down the drain wow it's like magic wow because <laughs> we were like very like god we can't use styrofoam and then there's felt and felt is kind of problem and there it's wrapped in plastic and we finally found this product that is like it's magic so you can get broth and then you could like play with some magic <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> it's really fun that's so cool all right and if you guys happen to be in new york city come and check out brodo or uh hearth and uh tell them the genius life sent you um <laughs> the last question that i ask to people on this podcast is um uh, a bit more philosophical it's what does it mean to you to live a genius life more and more lately it means to connect with people with my eyeballs eyeball to eyeball um, get away from your screens um, you know spend some time connecting the old-fashioned way I think that we're 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 forgetting uh, we're losing that muscle memory of what it means to have a great conversation around a table and connect with people um, and I think that we all need that pretty badly in our lives so couldn't agree more well, Marco, thank you so much for being here. This was a, it's my pleasure. Yeah. This was fun. A real treat to all you guys out there listening in podcast land. I value your attention as always. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to spread the word about this podcast by taking a screen grab of it. You know, post it on Instagram stories, social media, share a link, maybe your favorite quote from Marco, tag him. That would really mean the world to both of us. And um, yeah, this has been another episode of The Genius Life. Peace.